As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Thing on Total Soccer Show, the weekly discussion where we dig into the biggest topics in the beautiful game. Today, we're considering Paris Saint-Germain and the fait accompli of their 12 years under Qatari ownership. And we're going to ask the question, where do they go from here? After being purchased by the Qatari Sports Investment Fund in 2011, PSG have spent around $1.8 billion on players with a project that was specifically designed to win the Champions League. Among their star players, they boast the two most expensive players in the world in Neymar and Kylian Mbappe, and they have arguably the greatest player of all time in Leo Messi, and also the most handsome player of all time in Sergio Ramos, according to a poll conducted by Sergio Ramos. As of this season, the league are behemoth have only passed the quarterfinal stage twice of the Champions League, and they've gone out in the round of 16 in five of the last seven seasons. So why do they keep stumbling in this contest? What's gone wrong with their approach and which path should they tread next? We're going to attempt to answer all of those questions in this episode. My name is Ryan Bailey. Today we're joined by Taylor Rockwell. Bonjour Taylor. Bonjour my friend. We are joined by Graham Ruthven. Salut Graham. Ah bonjour. And Joe Lowry. Bonjour Nejo. Bonjour, I'll do the final bonjour of the intro because none of the rest of us know any other words in French. There oh, speak for yourself, go. Joe. No one else but Graham and Ryan know any words in French. Taylor probably yeah. knows more French than I do, too. It's probably just me. Oui, oui. I grew up next to France. I grew up closer to France than I did to where my wife was born in elsewhere in the UK. So I'm, I'm very much, I know three or four words in French. I'll have you know, Joe. Did you just say your wife was born elsewhere in the UK? Yeah, outside of London, it's just everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. He refers to anyone outside London, yeah. Somewhere out there. Yeah, yeah. He, he have... refers to them as el- from elsewhere, and he calls them poor lambs mm. when, it re- w- when they're not from London. Yes. We call it the insignificant areas. Wow. <laughs> wow. Anyway. That north-south divide, uh, totally gone and like, non-existent these days. Yes, indeed. Well, why don't we talk about the potential divide at PSG? Doesn't seem like a harmonious place the whole time. We're talking, Taylor, after a loss to Bayern Munich in the Champions League, in which Eric Chupamoting, a former player who left on a free, scored a goal against them. Also, uh, Kingsley Coman as a former player who scored against (laughs) them in the first leg and also in the Champions League final in that weird COVID season of 2020, I'm going to say, when they made the final. We've got Messi out of contract. We've got Neymar uh, apparently on his way out as well. Bit of a mess, Taylor, isn't it? It it is because even you say like Neymar on his way out, Neymar injured for the rest of the season, I doubt is going to command a fairly high transfer fee or the high high fee that PSG might want. I, I think that they are at, in a difficult position with how they move forward and what they do in moving forward. Do you get rid of the manager? Do you get rid of the front office? Do you like have all those big names out the door and then you sort of rebuild from smaller pieces? I doubt it. That doesn't seem to be their brand. But I think there's just so many question marks as a result of this result that I didn't see coming. I I I didn't think that Messi was going to make them Champions League contenders. I, I had questions about how you get Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe all playing together and still have it be effective. 
But I, I think for it to have gone the way it has, where they were sort of, it looked like maybe they were coming together, but in the end, it feels like they came together because they all wanted to play in a World Cup and they all wanted to be in good form, Hakimi included in that group. And then afterwards, it just seems like the intensity fell off, yeah. which has always been the knock on PSG and the knock remains. And and that's the thing about the way PSG season has gone. Since the World Cup, things have just completely collapsed. So in 2023, they have lost six games, which is more wow. than they lost in all of all of 2022. And 2022 didn't go so great for them either, you would you would say. And we if we cast our mind back to the first half of the season and Christophe Gaultier comes in, and the idea with Gaultier is He's the manager that wins the, the league on title with uh, with Lille, with Luis Cambos as, as the sporting director. The, the, the theory was that Gaultier would take those players and build a, a, a coherent team unit with a, with a structure and, a, and a, a clear way of playing. And initially, the signs were quite positive. We spoke about it on, on the podcast. He was using um, Messi in a kind of deeper, creative role with Neymar drifting out to the wide uh, to the wide areas and, and Mbappe kind of providing the verticality as he does. And they signed a load of players last summer that were about cohesion. And they brought in Vitinha and Renato Sanchez and Carlos Soler and probably some others that I'm forgetting. They seemed to go, they wanted like one or two cohesion players. They just signed all the cohesion players that were available <laughs> last summer. And I, and I genuinely have forgotten how many they, they signed uh, in, that, in that transfer window. Wow. But since the World Cup, it's just completely collapsed. Um, the, the same old problems have surfaced, have risen to the surface again, where you have tension in the dressing room between the star players and Neymar with his house parties and his poker tournaments and his late night McDonald's and Mbappe kind of calling him out in press conferences and saying if everyone sleeps and everyone eats well then this team has a chance of of uh, of succeeding it just feels like they need to scrub everything at that club start again I don't know if that includes a new manager new sporting director but certainly it feels like this should be the end of the Messi, Mbappe, Neymar project experiment. They really are a club that doesn't believe in moderation, huh? Because you you sign the big names, that doesn't work. Well, we need more players who can be squad players. We'll sign all the squad players. That will make the difference. Man, Graham, you are not kidding. I remember them signing a few people. Vitinha, Nuno Mendes, uh, Fabian Ruiz, Carlos Soler, Renato Sanchez, Nuri Mukiele, uh, and then Atikite on loan. Uh, I probably butchered that one. I apologize, but that's that's a good number of signings coming in, and not a ton of outgoing players or or those that left weren't really like starters. They didn't lose a ton, and so it did feel like they had made smart signings. Even I think you mentioned this uh, in the Champions League review yesterday, Graham, that Renato Sanchez, a player under Gaultier at Lille. Like he can come in and do the job. He knows what Gaultier wants, and then we don't see him in this game against Bayern. Like that to me, very representative of you can bring those players in, but you still have to find a way to make them all work. And PSG have done that at times, but of late they have not. Joe, if we take a step back a second, what's happening at PSG in general is counterintuitive to what we know about soccer. What we know about soccer is the teams that spend the most are the most successful. If you look at the top of the leagues, it's always the teams who are the richest who yep. tend to do well. And conversely, the poorer teams at the bottom of the pyramids. So why is it? Of PSG kind of crossed a spending threshold. They've taken spending too far. Is that what it is? Have they burst the matrix somehow? I love that, Ryan. And I think you're totally right about the spending. St- still what we know about soccer. I can go on and talk about stats left and right. I can talk about tactics left and right. We can do all that stuff on the show. Ultimately, what we know about soccer is is exactly what you just said. It's that generally speaking, teams that spend more on their squads do better. That is as as complicated as soccer is and as simple as it seems at other times. Like, that's the thing that we know about soccer. PSG have in some ways kept that track going, right? Because they they win league on basically every year, right? They are dominant in the league. They are generally speaking one of the best statistical sides. They do a lot of things that good teams do. They win a lot of games. They're still very good. So I think in a lot of ways, Ryan, they haven't really broken that mold. Because the Champions League is different, right? The Champions League is silly. It's ridiculous last time. Real Madrid seemed to win it no matter what happens, even though they can be played off the field by Manchester City, and it just doesn't make one lick of difference. I will say, this is the standard for PSG. Even though knockout competitions are brutal, now two-leg ones are, are a little bit less brutal than, than single elimination stuff, but you know, even though those are brutal competitions and probably not always the best way to gauge success, The fact that PSG, and I said this on the show yesterday, the fact that PSG have only made it to the round of 16 and no further in five of the last seven years does show 
in my mind, that something is wrong. Either they have gotten horrifically unlucky in a way that is pretty shocking and almost impossible, or there is something that is wrong about this team at a deeper level. Ryan, my first thought about the spending side is they have spent, but they've spent in an even more reckless and imbalanced way than the rest of the top clubs in Europe. They spent more recklessly and more uh, more sort of off-kilter with their squad than the other oil clubs, right? The Man City, who have a very well-balanced team for the most part, even though Pep Guardiola seems intent on never having a left back, right? They've spent... <laughs> Um, you know, better in some ways than the Newcastle, but Newcastle are, are just getting started, right? These clubs that have unlimited money, that's great. And they're going to be good. PSG are still a good team, but they are not reaching their standards. And for me, yeah. it's really hard to play a cohesive soccer game in the year 2023 when you have spent so much money and so much of everything that you do is focused around three players, right? It's not it's not FIFA Ultimate Team. It's way harder to make this stuff work in real life. I'm so glad that PSG went out there and, and have tried the Messi, Neymar, Mbappe thing because it has been great fun, and it allows us to do stuff like this and talk about what's gone mm. wrong. But, like, that's that's the first place to look is they're spending money, sure, and they're still a dominant side, but they are less dominant and certainly less cohesive than a lot of teams that also spend money but do it in a mostly kind of at least more smart way. Yeah, that's it. I think there, there's two things for me. One that Joe has already touched upon, which is the recklessness of that spending. When you look at a comparable club, much as it pains me, I would say Manchester United have spent, what, over a billion at this point since Sir Alex Ferguson retired, all for them to be intermittently, infrequently okay. Uh, and, and maybe better now, but still spending tons of money. And I think that is a very good, in my mind, sort of parallel to PSG, where you have managers that come in and then get sacked, and then a new manager comes in and then gets sacked. But along the way, you're backing that manager by bringing in players they want, and you end up getting a sort of disparate squad that has players that fit certain roles but not others, and you don't have overall a, co- a cohesive, unified approach to building that squad. And and rather than sort of, I think, reset, there's a little bit of sunk cost fallacy here. I think that they just keep spending on top of what they have, and they sell some players on sure, but it, it doesn't seem like there's ever a, a full hard reset. This plan has not worked. I think to some extent Newcastle have learned from PSG and have spent very wisely when they have spent. They've had to splash cash to bring in bigger names and bigger talents, but I think they're still building out a squad that makes sense. And from the jump, having that front three does not make sense in the modern era, in my opinion. So that's that's one thing. The other thing would be that it's a compounding factor that this team is built to win the Champions League, that winning their domestic league doesn't really matter. It's basically if you don't win, you're a failure. And if you have won it, well, have you won the Champions League? Like, it, it, And so I think when you're then, your end goal is winning a knockout competition, I feel like they should just hire Rafa Benitez. He's good at that. Uh, but short of doing that, like it just makes it that much harder because one bad result in one game and and you're out and then the whole season is for naught. And I think to build to win a knockout competition while also kind of disregarding the league in some ways, yeah. I think just puts them on a very strange trajectory from the off. Well, and it's it's weird, Taylor, because you are 100% right that this PSG, this PSG team is built to win the Champions League. Like, that is the goal for this team every single year. Liga is basically a formality. I know they haven't won every single title in Liga over the last 10 years, right? But Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, losing out to Lille a couple yeah. years ago is, is a big deal, and that was a, yeah. a monumental failure as well, losing to Monaco, that kind of thing. That has happened, but what I'll say is, while the squad is built for the Champions League, they're also like totally a thousand percent not built to win the Champions yeah. League, right? <laughs> yep. Like that's that's everything that we know. They have the superstars to do it. They have the names. They have the talent in every single line. But like the squad looks like it was built by Chat GPT telling you to build a FIFA Ultimate Team. Like that's that's <laughs> what it looks like. And in in knockout soccer, to tie in another sort of statistical reference here. One thing that we think we know about how to win knockout soccer tournaments, the World Cup, the Champions League, whatever it is, is that generally speaking, it's better to make the game stodgy, to make it low scoring, to have the other team have to break through you so you can hit on the break. Like it's better to reduce the overall number of chances in a lot of situations, not always, but in a lot of situations. And that's generally going to help you do better. PSG in this particular instance, like they're not really built to play any particular way other than through they're stars. Like they're so in some ways one dimensional. They're so yep. predictable. And now they're they're elite in so many ways as well, which is part of the, what makes this team confusing. But like uh, they come into the Champions League and they're they don't have the quality really to break through the opposing team consistently. And they also don't have the quality to sit back and defend and attack on the break. Like they don't try to go out there and, and fully dominate, but they also can't commit with the personnel they have. 
to defending all the time. So it, it it's a weird team. It's a weird team that I think if you really look at it and, and want to be thorough and critical, like, yeah, they're built for the Champions League, but they're also they're also totally not. Yeah. I mean, look at look at like a, a very good example of that in my mind. Uh, would be yesterday's game where you you do have key injuries uh, for PSG. Neymar obviously can't play in that one. Marquinhos starts but is carrying, I believe, a rib injury, so he has to come off in the first half. Nordin Mukiele comes on for him, and then he can't go, so he has to be substituted at halftime. So that aside, the remaining subs are uh, Bichiabu, uh, who's an academy player, or uh, I think the one who's on loan. Uh, Zaire Emery, uh, Ekatite is the one who's on loan. Uh, and then Bernat. So you've got, again, like, I'm sure talented players, but you've got a player who's on loan, you've got Juan Bernat, and then you've got uh, two academy players. Bayern Munich, by contrast, brought on Leroy Sané, uh, Sergio Mane, Serge Gnabry, and Jao Cancelo, uh, um, amongst the many other talents they have on the bench. Like, that is a team that's built to win the Champions League, where their starting 11 makes sense, they can play as a unit, but they have an incredible amount of depth that makes that team better, but also gives them other options if they need them. They have, like, a Swiss Army knife on the bench, whereas PSG don't really have anything, any silverware on the bench. So they're making do with like spoons and hoping they function as Swiss Army knives. Yeah, and, and PSG, one of the biggest problems that they have, which is related to what you're saying there, Taylor, is they, they don't stand for anything as either a club or a team. They don't have any sort of identity. I know that term gets used a lot and gets banded around. Uh, and sometimes I think people just use that as an excuse for to explain like, no like a failure like there's no identity it feels like Spurs fans are maybe talking about that a lot at the moment but with PSG I think it's entirely fair because you look at Manchester City and they have a framework which they spend that whatever they spent over a billion euros on players they they build it around that framework even Bayern Munich it was Louis van Gaal that kind of set that that framework in place Pep Guardiola comes in it doesn't need to really need a rebuild after Pep Guardiola Julian Nagelsmann is still kind of building on the things that Pep Guardiola left behind PSG have none of that at all they have Thomas Tuchel a couple years ago and now that they have Christoph Gaultier who's an entirely different manager and they had Pochettino in between which there's just no there's no common thread between all of those 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 managerial appointments and so that does mean every single summer when they're changing manager they're looking for a quick fix they're bringing in a Cavani they're bringing in a Zlatan Ibrahimovic they're bringing in a Neymar who was meant to be the attacker that they were building around and then a few months later Okay, we'll get Mbappe in as well, and then Messi joins a couple of years later. There's just absolutely no coherence on in terms of their on-field performance, but also just the strategy and the the, the way they have built that built that club and that team over the years. All right, so we've uh, discussed what has gone wrong in their approach. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, maybe we'll be a little more on. Um... Messi's career going forward, what the future is for the coaching position, and much more at PSG as we look ahead. Back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So the Soccer Show, welcome back. Uh, Graham, we were talking before the break about a PSG team, PSG team, excuse me, that doesn't seem to learn its lesson or certainly hasn't mm. developed its strategy over the last 12 years or so. Um, bringing in Leo Messi was a big move for them, obviously, one of their many big moves. How much longer is he going to be wearing the proud shirt of the uh, Parisian um, team? <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't have an answer to that because I don't have any inside information. But in my, in my opinion, this should be the end of his time at PSG. He's out of contract at the end of the season. There's been no news of an extension. There was a Guillaume Balaguer article a few weeks ago, maybe even a few months ago now, which said he was out of the options that he has. He was leaning towards staying at PSG. 
I personally hope there isn't an extension and that isn't true. It just hasn't worked for Messi at PSG at all. It feels like he's a commodity instead of actually being part of a team. And we saw at the World Cup what Messi can still be when he's in an effective team unit. And I um, I don't know about you guys, but it just feels like I've seen less of Leo Messi at PSG than at any other stage of his career. And... I'm sad about that. I yeah. want to see more of Messi. Um, and obviously, maybe I'm slightly biased in that I watch quite a lot of La Liga. I covered the league a lot when he was at Barcelona. But whether it's Barcelona or Inter Miami, which is the other option apparently available to him, I, I am in favour of Lionel Messi trying something new at the end of the season because it just feels kind of joyless at PSG. I haven't enjoyed him. I haven't enjoyed watching him there. And I don't think he's enjoyed being there, to be perfectly honest. If you're uh, if you're looking for a stable environment, I know Inter Miami oh, yeah. is the first club. I mean, they they are a lot more stable now than they've ever been. I think at any point in their history, but it uh, it's, it's part tongue in cheek there for me. And also, I w- I would absolutely love to see that. I think that would be the biggest move that Major League Soccer will have ever made in their in- entire existence. Now, twenty five plus years, I will say for PSG to keep this focused on them and not drift us into to other waters. I I, I will say I think this is a a rare instance that by losing the best player in the world, your team is probably going to get better. Like there it's 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 weird to say that, but you think about this club and how imbalanced they are, and we've talked about that a lot. If you start to to trim some of the the ex, the excess, really, I think is the best way to say it. Like you're probably going to be better. You're going to be a little bit more stable. We'll see them actually have attacking depth. Taylor, I love that you brought that up earlier. I think that's a fantastic point with this team right now. They'll be able to add a couple of other pieces in the transfer window that can supplement and support Mbappe and, and find a way that really makes him the focal point. And then Neymar, when he comes back, if he doesn't leave in the summer, which gets a lot trickier now for him to leave because he's injured, right? So if, if Neymar is still around, you know, you can work him into that group as well. But it feels to me like, you know, I guess it doesn't have to be Messi. It could be Neymar. It could be Mbappe. And you keep two of the three. But given that Messi's out of contract and that there are other options on the table, it kind of feels like rolling with Mbappe as your your A1, Neymar when he's healthy as your A2, and then building around those stars. That, to me, feels like a better recipe for an actually dangerous and sustainable team. Let me ask you this. Like, I think if we're talking about a club that exists to be a productive, efficient football club, I think, yeah, they get rid of, they, they're okay with not extending Messi. They're okay with selling Neymar at a very discounted rate because it allows them to move on. But nothing we have seen about PSG tells me <laughs> yeah. that that's what they want to do. I mean, there's a reason they tie themselves to Nike and the Jordan brand. They want to be a brand. They want to be this institution. And I think they want to be an institution that just throws money around. That is the glitziest, most glamorous thing you can imagine. There's a reason why they bought a club in Paris, uh, because you can win the French League and you can be in Paris and you can be the height of civilization. And so to some extent, I think that is part of the problem that you can't, you could go out and build a team that's very moneyball centric and, and has a coach that you back and you get him the right players for a cheaper rate. And then you win and you go far in the Champions League. But if you don't do that while splashing cash and having some of the most marketable names in the world, is that what they want? I don't think it is. I I don't think it is either. But I think the difference here, and I can't say for sure, I think the difference here if you're PSG is that you're still probably at a high enough threshold to satisfy your, your brand requirements, right? Which is a good point, Taylor. You're probably still there without Messi, right? I, I know it's weird to say in PSG are one of the only clubs in the world where they could reasonably like think that thought, but you still have Mbappe, who is the biggest young star in the world right now. I mean, not super young at 24, but he's young, and you still have Neymar attached hey Joe, to that team. 24 yeah, is young. Up? 24 yeah, is okay. young. 24 is, 24 <laughs> is young in the grand scheme of things. Yes, it is. Uh, but I, I think you're probably still there without Messi. It's weird to say that. I don't think there are many other teams in the world that could. But you're still glitzy and glamorous yeah. in Paris with the Jordan brand, with Mbappe, with Neymar. Like you're still, I think you're still checking a lot of those boxes. I'll, I'll say I, I'm kind of on board with what Taylor is saying there. Anecdotally speaking, I was in Paris a couple of weekends ago and w- walking down the streets, walking down the Champs Elysees where there's the nice, really fancy Louis Vuitton stores and all that kind of stuff. The only team's gear you saw was Paris Saint Germain gear, and it was on people who who were like in getting out of nice cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a life it's a lifestyle brand in Paris. And it's huge there. Everyone is into Paris Saint-Germain there. And that's that's kind of got me thinking, Taylor, like maybe th- winning the Champions League's not even what it's all about. 
it is about being a brand in some ways, isn't it? And to yeah. be that brand, you have to have the very best players, even if you've got a ridiculous amount of them and it unbalances your team. You are still that thing that fashionable people will want to wear on the Champs-Élysées. And yeah, I mean, I think if Messi leaves this summer, I think there's still a, a pretty compelling argument that PSG will think, nope, that was a success because we sold a ton of jerseys. We became an even bigger household brand. Uh, I've talked about this previously. My nephew likes PSG and he doesn't like PSG because of their history and tradition. He likes them because they have Messi, Neymar and Mbappe in one team. And so you get to watch your three favorite players. I think they accomplished that goal of, of, establish, of establishing themselves in that way and sports washing, getting famous people in Paris or celebrities or rich people in Paris to be wearing their, their shirts, to wear their kits. It, it normalizes what they are and, and who their ownership is. And in that way, I think they're, they're more than happy with that. It's just also the case that they will be not necessarily a laughing stock, but not a team that's taken very seriously until they win the Champions League or until they at least establish this model of efficiency. It's what I think the Saudis are doing in Newcastle. It's why I find them even more frustrating because they're doing it, I think, very wisely of bringing in a sensible manager, backing that sensible manager, not publicly criticizing him, not sacking him six months in when they haven't yet won the Premier League. I think the Saudis are going about doing both, and I think they're doing it more effectively, much as it pains me. I think PSG could go that route. I just think they've backed themselves into having to go for those names. So even if you bring in four responsibly priced players, you're then going to spend $150 million on Enzo Fernandez from Chelsea somehow. I've got two thoughts quickly. The first is, just in case people don't know, I, I would imagine and many listeners do, but Taylor referenced the owners of PSG. Uh, it's Qatar. Oh, thanks, it's Qatar yeah. essentially owns owns PSG. So if, if folks don't know that, I kind of alluded to it earlier and didn't explain it. So figured that was a, a worthwhile thing to add. The other thing is, I think to be the brand that we're talking about, because, I mean, honestly, you think about the prize money that PSG loses out on by not winning the Champions League. 50 million, not, I think, total. It's not that much. For PSG, it's not that much. It is... It's notable for FFP, for financial fair play, where you have to be generating a certain amount of revenue and all that stuff. It is notable, but, I mean, PSG, do they really care about financial fair play? Are we actually sure that UEFA can institute no. punishments that are serious to these clubs? I'm no, I mean, their, their owner is now the chairman of the European right. Club Association. So. It feels like a farce, Graham. That's a, I did not know that, first of all. That's a, a great reference from you. Yeah, it feels like a farce. So the money is, is big, but it's not, it's not PSG big. The other thing here, though, is... Like, I think to continue that brand of being the fashionable club, that's what we're talking about here with PSG is they've got the the apparel partnerships, they've got the superstars. I also think like you need to you need to win stuff. I don't know that that's the most important thing, to be honest. It's a lot more important for other clubs than it is for, for PSG. But to be that club at the top that is fashionable, that is truly yeah. trendy, like you have to win. And everybody cares about the Champions League. Nobody, nobody really outside of Paris, for the most part, is all that invested in Ligue 1 because it is a, a one-horse race so much of the time. But the Champions League captures people atten people's attention. If you're PSG, and every single time you're not one of the last eight clubs, five of the seven years if, if running, if you're not one of the last eight clubs in the biggest club competition that the world has ever seen, I, th I think that's a problem, right? So again, I, I do think it's important that PSG develop a, some sort of sporting identity, develop something, because I think they're leaving money on the table, they're leaving opportunity on the table, even just as a brand, by not actually going out there and, and building something that makes sense. And, and I think it matters more for PSG to win because their stated aim of the entire mission is to win the Champions League. So it's different for a club like Manchester City, who we should know also haven't won the Champions League. And there's been a lot of discussion about their failures and Pep overthinking things in the Champions League and all that stuff. But they've got the Premier League. They've got the biggest league in the world. So there's there's more than one yardstick for Manchester City. Whereas for PSG, they are measured. Everything they do is measured in, in the one competition. So yeah. when they fall short, it, it, it is amplified, those failures and, and the discussion around it. Uh, two things there for me. Uh, I, I agree with you, Graham. I think... It is a thing that they have basically stated as an objective, and it reminds me a little bit of there's a scene they do this twice, but uh, in in like a later season of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they go back to gun control, and uh, Dennis and Dee 
are, are trying to prove how easy it is to get a gun by they're going to go out and buy an assault rifle. And then because of their past, they can't get one. And it just becomes increasingly difficult for them to get one to the point where at the end of the episode, they're now concerned that it's too difficult to get guns. Whereas at the beginning, they were worried you couldn't get guns <laughs> or like everybody could get guns too easily. PSG feel a little bit like they're like, oh, we're going to win this Champions League five times. We're going to show how easy it is when you do business with PSG. And then they haven't. And I think that kind of compounds things and makes them feel that much more pressure. Because I also think, and this is the second thing, this is definitely my own theory, but it feels a little bit like PSG still have a new money uh, like vibe to them in relation to other bigger clubs. I don't know if Bayern Munich takes PSG particularly seriously, or Real Madrid, or Barcelona, or Man City. Man City themselves new money, but they've sort of backed it up by winning the Premier League and being this dominant team. Chelsea, the same thing. They've backed it up by winning the Champions League and winning the Premier League. And so I think... There's also probably, in my mind, an idea that PSG want to win the Champions League to be like, see us too. We're part of the club. We get to belong. We're a, we're a big club because right now they are a team that has won the French League a bunch, but I don't know how many. I don't think people took Lyon particularly seriously when they won it like seven or eight years in a row because they didn't have this the success in the Champions League. And I think the same remains for PSG. It's just multiplied because of how much they want to win it. That's interesting, the idea of PSG not being taken seriously by the established elite, Taylor. You can liken that to, let's say, someone in high society in New York who's not quite taken seriously by the old money and yeah. maybe, you know, um, Buys a does big things house. outside the rules and then maybe applies to be president one day. That kind of oh. thing, isn't it? You went that way. I thought you were going Gatsby. Mm. Yes, you could go the other way too, which is probably more appropriate. Uh, what, what you're yeah. saying is PSG have a golf club in Florida, right? That's where you're going with that. <laughs> yeah, where I they mean... bury people for tax purposes, correct. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> we are indeed. Why don't we take one more quick break? When we come back, let's try and look ahead for PSG. What's next? Is a rebuild on the cards? If so, what should it look like? Back shortly. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. We are talking PSG. Taylor, what do mm. next? Uh, I, I do think... 
they will be okay with Lionel Messi leaving. I think from a branding perspective, if they keep him, it's because obviously they want to win the Champions League. They want to win it with him. But but I think we've talked about this a little bit in this episode and previously. I don't think we're going to remember Messi in his time at PSG. I think we'll remember him with Barcelona, and I think we'll remember him winning the World Cup with Argentina. But I don't think we're going to rem- remember this too much. So if they were to let him go... I have a feeling he ends up in Miami. And Joe, my question for you then becomes, a couple years ago, we had the LA Galaxy with four DPs on their roster, like just openly having four DPs. And it was like a day before the season, I think. And they were just sort of like, call our bluff, Major League Soccer. My question for you is, an Inter-Miami team owned by David Beckham employing employing Lionel Messi, (laughs) will anyone be able to tell them anything or will they just be allowed to do whatever they want? Yeah, they'll do whatever they want. Like, I yeah, think Don okay. Garber has already chatted with some folks yes. at The Athletic about this. Like, basically, yeah, he basically said that. <laughs> yeah, like, we're going to have to accommodate this, which is just another example. I know this isn't what this show is about. Like, a lot of the MLS roster rules are just so stupid. Like, they're just so absurd and silly. And, like, cases like this with Messi just shine a light on how ridiculous they are. It, 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 ultimately, it's the right thing to do if you're MLS. Like, you break whatever you've built. You break whatever you have to break to get Leo Messi into your league, into one of your teams. And they're going to do that because they would absolutely be fools not to. I, uh, I I am excited. Taylor, it seems like after the, the Champions League defeat, it feels a little bit more possible than it ever has. And I don't have the inside info either. Others out there are reporting and have a lot better access to stuff like this than I do. It feels more possible than ever. I'm not, I still don't know that it's probable. Like Messi could stay at PSG and resign there. And that's that's not out of the realm of possibility. He could go back to Barcelona, which I know, Graham, you've been excited about potentially happening. He could go back to Argentina. Like, there, there are probably four options on the table, and Inter-Miami are, are just one of the four. But yeah, it would be beautifully chaotic because the greatest player to ever touch a soccer ball is coming to Major League Soccer. That's one reason. And because MLS is, like, designed to make stuff like this complicated, and they've got to break through some of those designs to make this happen. Oh. <laughs> we, can't, we can't have him playing in a car park in Fort Lauderdale. Like That, that can't be allowed <laughs> to happen. If Inter-Miami, Inter-Miami are going to sign him, and I would love to see him in MLS at one, at one time, they need, they, there needs to be a, a, a new stadium built immediately. How quickly can Miami build a stadium? They've, they've taken, like, what, eight years to get this far? I have faith that they can build a new stadium in, Graham, like, three months. Graham, you, I do not. You don't, you don't like, <laughs> Graham, you don't like Jerv Pink Stadium? You don't like Jerv Pink Stadium? I mean, everybody loves that. No vowels, baby. Everybody's mm, a huge I'm, Yeah, I prefer my stadiums with vowels, to be honest, ah, well, and not in is. car parks. East to his own. East to his own. Yeah, I'm just fine. looking forward to um, Messi being on the 3-0 defeat in... 80 at some point. Yeah, th- this was his glorious. last. This week was his last Champions League game until he's playing in front of that giant tree, wherever that was. <laughs> yes, Dominican <laughs> Republic, a, baby, make it happen. With a massive dog in his arms, <laughs> well, thinking, "How did I get here?" <laughs> well, he already had ma- massive dogs. So yeah. Just bring his own massive his dog own. to the yeah. game, and there you go. Yeah, sorted Oof. out. So, do we all? Do we all? It does feel like we all sort of agree that we won't be surprised if he moves on from PSG after this season. Mm-hmm. No, all right. That feels the way it's trending now. What else do we think will happen then with PSG given their past? Because, like, Graham, it sounded like you sort of think it's a foregone conclusion they get rid of Christophe Gaultier. I, I, I think that would be a mistake because when, when I talked about them hiring him, I was very excited about him. It felt like a rational, responsible move based on what he had done previously and how he had got the best out of, out of teams in his past. So, I, I wouldn't mind giving him them giving him one more season, as though that matters. I wouldn't mind. I'm sure that they care, PSG. But it does seem like it's worth giving him another season to sort of make that team more his own, if that's the route they want to go, unless they want to, I don't know, give Poch another shot. Why not? Mm, well, you joke. The news in France is that they're talking to Thomas Tuchel, and he might be coming back to be to, for a second cool, stint. Cool, cool. So that was in Le Keep today. for punishment, Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, <laughs> a, a, indeed. Yeah, I don't know why he would go back there. I'd imagine he'd get another offer from somewhere else that's slightly more attractive. Um, I I would quite like Gautier and Campos to get, because they're kind of a package deal, right? The two yeah. of them, like the sporting director and the manager. I'd like them to get a, a proper shot at this, where essentially they are told, right, build us a team from scratch. And your your question, Ryan, um, at the top of this was, is this going to be a rebuild? I, I, I kind of feel like PSG might not have a choice in that. Messi's going to be out of contract. Sergio Ramos is out of contract. 
I know there's a question of how do you get rid of Neymar, but it feels like he might be open to leaving. I'm pretty sure you can get Todd Bowley to uh, to do a deal somewhere along the line there. He actually wanted to, he, he was in discussion with PSG in January over this deal. So I, I was, I'm joking, but also not joking. I feel like Chelsea might be one of those options. I'm sure Graham Potter would be delighted about that. Um, I do also kind of feel, though, with Gautier that he might just turn up to the first day of preseason and Zinedine Zidane sitting in his seat, and that's how that <laughs> goes down. So he's yeah. he is still out of work. He has he wanted the France job. That's not happening. It feels like now he wants the PSG job. He wants to a job essentially in France, and so it feels like he might be the front runner for that job. If it isn't Thomas Tuchel, the irony there is. I think Zidane is a good appointment for the Messi, Mbappe, Neymar yeah. team where he has to handle the egos. If that then gets dismantled and Messi leaves, Neymar leaves, then they need to build a new team and Zidane is not the guy for that. So yeah. it feels like they could end up in a bit of a mess there as well. So, so Graham, let's talk about that rebuild then because there's a few different approaches. There is the PSG approach of let's just buy some more megastars and fill in the holes again, which is not really rebuilding. Because I suppose the problem with PSG is essentially... They're all mercenaries. They all know what they're there for. And as you mentioned, there's not a culture. There's not, uh, you know, there's not an identity in that team. So is there, a, is there a scenario where Paris has got one of the best player pools in the world, right? And a lot of the yep. uh, PSG youth players go off to other clubs in Europe. What if they tr- focus on getting like a local identity with t- players from Paris and they sprinkle in some megastars? Is that a viable approach for this team or does that turn off the people on the Champs-Élysées wearing their Jordan-branded gear? I think Florentino Perez called that Zidane Z Pavones when he, that was the Galacticos uh, kind of strategy with young players from the Real Madrid Academy kind of pr- producing a, you know, a bedrock and then stars on top of that. I'm not sure it really worked for the first Galacticos team, but I get what you're saying and that is certainly the route that I would go down in terms of the amount of talent produced in Paris, it, it is frankly a joke that Paris is the most prolific hotbed of young talent anywhere in football. So players like, I'm kind of doing this off the top of my head, but uh, Paul Pogba is Parisian-born, uh, Kingsley Coman, who came through PSG, and this is the other thing, a lot of these players come through the PSG Academy, then leave to go to other teams where they become some of the best players in the world. So PSG clearly needs to do a better job of just harnessing those players, and then supplementing it with players that in the, in the transfer market. That should certainly be the the, the direction that they take. Graham, I, I want I more agree. players born in Paris. I think we got we got a list of two, and then and then it, I know, then I know, Mbappe <laughs> was, wasn't he? And, yeah, but he plays for them, so it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of difficult to make the argument there. Right. Uh, I'll find a list. I'll find a list before the end of the podcast. I think I agree with with what you're saying there, Graham and Ryan. The challenge for PSG though is the demands are so high. Like, like, when are the moments, I guess in, in a different number of Liga games, you could start to develop players. But, I mean, wh- where is the time for PSG to say, like, oh, we're going to take a developmental year and get these guys on the field? Like, that, that just doesn't happen, right? I have a hard time envisioning that they're going to go much harder down the academy young player route than they do right now, where maybe you see a few of those players sprinkled in every single season. But if you think about the best clubs in the world, the, the clubs that actually do win the Champions League, like, Real Madrid's not playing those players and they've got plenty of talent in Madrid like Manchester City giant club Phil Foden comes through their academy but like he's the exception not the rule these clubs are developing a ton of talent but I think with the demands and the pressure to win and play immediately at a high level at a lot of these clubs like you're getting two maybe three players that were from your academy at any point featuring for your team and and odds are those players probably aren't playing a massive role so I do think PSG should continue to go down that path and they should probably go down it a little harder and stronger than they have over the last few years at the same time for me the way to to build this team is to make Mbappe the guy like make Mbappe the player that you want to build around and go get some attacking depth so you can cover when Neymar inevitably gets injured again in three months right Go and find some other pieces and, and let the quality pieces that you went out and got in, in the summer this past year, 2022, I guess, let them shine. Like, let this be a real soccer team. Like, make this a, a real team and not a video game team. I think they're not, like, in, entirely that far away from being able to do that. It just probably looks like shedding a little bit of the excess that I said, you know, and mentioned before. And it, it might look like, you know, promoting a little bit more aggressively from the academy, giving those players some run and, and finding a couple of other complementary pieces and depth pieces that are still very good, but going out and finding those players in the transfer market. Uh, Taylor, I have a scenario for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are made sporting director of Paris Saint-Germain. So after I quit. you've 
bought your solid goal house and your rocket car. Um, how do you go about shaping the team? Uh, yeah, I quit, first of all. Then they forced me to stay to work there. Um, I would probably look to... I think it's my age-old answer. I would probably look to teams that have established themselves as development teams that can produce world-class players, which would basically be I would look at Ajax. And I would, and I, would I think, really, to Graham's point, I think there is so much talent in Paris and in France that you could be the team that is bringing through that talent. And certainly that means that you still have to be able to loan players and have reserve teams and whatever it may be. But I think building an academy system that prepares your team to play a certain way, and it feels like with PSG it would be attacking with possession and high intensity and lots of exciting football. If you're schooling kids from a young age to play that way and you have the resources to have the best pitches, the best technology, the best everything, you can be the dominant team while you're pulling from Paris, which I think is a very branding-wise, marketing-wise, a very attractive thing to be funding uh, like pa- Paris is a rough city, as I understand it. And I think to be funding youth soccer and youth football courts and whatever it may be, I think that is very good PR, but it allows you to pull in even more talent. And I think then you're the team that does have a ton of talent coming through that you augment with sort of those superstar players as needed to, to oomph that quality up a little bit more. I think you surround yourself with the right scouts and the right sort of technical side of things and trainers and, and sports science and everything else. And I think there is a, a, a world-class organization there with an incredible amount of resources behind it. It just takes a long time. It takes much longer than the short term. Yep. Spend a bunch of money, get Jordan on board, we'll win the Champions League and everybody will respect us as a brand. I don't think that's the route they want to go. It's slower, it's less sexy, but I think in yep. the in the long term, it's a much better model. Yeah, and, and Taylor, you got to exactly what I was going to say there at the end. I think precisely because it will take a long time, yep. I think that is why we will not see that happen anytime yep. soon. Like I, I don't think we will ever see, maybe not ever, I don't think in the next 30 years we will ever see PSG become Ajax. Like, I, I just don't think they're willing to take the time to do that. And honestly, I'm not convinced that they should. Like with the investment they have, I don't know that it's worth taking the hit on the the results side to go and like start bringing some of these players along. Maybe it wouldn't be quite as big of a hit as I imagine it in my head. But that that's one piece is it's going to take time, and I, I just have a hard time envisioning any club of PSG stature giving the people involved in that time that would need it. That that's one thing. Ryan, go ahead. I was going to say I can see one scenario in the next thirty years where that does happen, Joe, uh, when Qatar gets bored and sells up. Yeah, I mean, and maybe maybe that's the case. If there's a major to ownership change age. to buy Manchester United, this is the yeah. reality that we're heading towards. Taylor's thrilled by all of this. <laughs> the other piece is, like, another reason why I don't think that's going to happen is I don't think improving the city of Paris is something that, like, PSG cares about doing one one bit. Like, I, I don't think the the people that would benefit from that improvement are people that PSG is really all that interested in going after. Uh, but they, so, but they, sh- they should be. They should that be. Is, yeah, that absolutely. would be an effective sport. No, I think, I think Joe's... I, I, I agree with yeah. Joe. I agree with Joe. Yeah, Sorry, I think, yeah. I think the, we're the, all on the same page, Graham. Absolutely. Keep going. You got it. No, no, but I'm going to be cynical here. So obviously they should be from a, you know, a, a social kind of economic point of view, but I'm meaning from a sports washing point of view, that mm. is an effective way to, 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 to do that. And, yeah. and you, you look at... I'm not saying Leicester's owners are, are sports washers, but you look at the affection that those owners are held in, and the thing that that is always brought up is they don't just invest in the team; they invest in the uh, in the local mm-hmm. community. And it feels like Saudi Arabia is going to do that with Newcastle City as well. Done that. Yeah, exactly. Manchester, exactly. Manchester have spent loads of money. They've got a new arena outside the Etihad Stadium. So that should be a way for PSG's yeah. owners to effectively sports wash if we're being cynical about this. All right. Yay! So, so, wait, it, it sounds <laughs> Sorry like... to bring, bring the, tone, the note down there. <laughs> we've, we've kind of laid out some plans for a rebuild, Taylor, but the, 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 the question here is, will they ever actually do it? Will they well, learn anything? It, is, it feels like we're leaning towards no on that. Doesn't I, it? I really like stick on the idea that I, I don't think... I don't know how to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound inflammatory, but like I don't think people take... PSG particularly seriously. I don't. I think that they have an insane amount of money. They have a ton of world-class footballers, but they don't seem to be able to put it together to win the Champions League. There are always stories about squad discontent and backroom fighting on the men's and women's side, lest we forget. And and I and I think that 
they have to do something to change that impression to change that reputation and i think they think the way to do that is to win the champions league and then everybody will respect us but i have a feeling if they win the champions league it will still be most of the world rooting for their opponent even if that opponent is i don't know man city like i i still think that they will be an unpopular team and and so in my mind if you want to go about changing that you have to change your reputation and and I think about again as a Manchester United fan when they were not winning but just signing players it started to feel like players just knew they could get a paycheck there players knew they could get 150,000 pounds a week at Manchester United so they'll go play there they're less invested in making that team like uh I'm not going to say make that team great again I will say making that team perform well again uh but but I think that like there is a a paycheck idea there that that kind of comes before everything else and with with PSG, I think anything they can do to make themselves into more of an institution that has a multifaceted approach that appeals to a global audience, like I, I think they have to go about changing their, like just their overall impression, their overall reputation, so that people don't see them as a super club that spends but can't win. People see them as a club with a ton of money who uses it wisely and make really smart decisions. And how do you deal with that? How can we beat them? And I think once you change to that perspective it's a much better building block for them yeah and we've already kind of talked about the 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 lack of sporting culture but that circles back round to that point there's no sporting culture at psg and i know we joke about it but neymar's parties and his poker tournaments and his mcdonald's just kind of highlights that i mean that is that's culture graham it's 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 not an elite level uh, sporting culture though and I think if you're within that squad and one of the 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 supposed leaders certainly one of the highest paid players in in, in that dressing room is is conducting himself like that it doesn't set a good example it says no one's in control at PSG I compare it to Eric Ten Hag going into Manchester United and look I know this maybe isn't the best week to uh, hail Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United given their last result was a 7-0 drubbing at Anfield but if we're looking at the broader picture and the standards that he has set and you know Marcus Rashford turning up for training late by 15 minutes but the next game he's out of the team nah. there is there is nothing like that at PSG at all so if they want to be a winning team it feels like they need to actually set some standards <laughs> Dude, at that club Graham you're totally right I feel like if anything it's the opposite it's like Neymar shows up for practice and they're like ooh he showed up this time <laughs> like, like everybody, everybody, everybody showed up at all yeah, yeah, right. he's got to make muffin he's got, he's got to make muffin and a hash brown <laughs> and they're like well he's here at he's, least. he's hung over and actively smoking a cigarette during training but it's fine what, what, what could go wrong <laughs> oh dear. Zidane would rein it in, wouldn't he, Graham? He mm. wouldn't stand for that, would he? No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Maybe he's the answer. Maybe he's yes, the answer. Uh, to noted disciplinarian uh, who follows all the rules in Zidane, one of three exactly. players to be red carded in multiple yeah. World Cups. Yeah, very yeah, disciplined. Yeah. Totally, totally, very, totally. very disciplined man <laughs> is Zinedine Zidane, as we know. <laughs> all right, I think that just about wraps up our PSG conversation. Uh, Taylor, any final thoughts, or should we, uh, should we just say that they're a hot mess and they shall continue to be so? Uh, that, and then also that I've only gotten through the L's, but Timu Bakayoko, uh, Musa Diaby, uh, who else we got? Uh, Clement Diop, Yusuf uh, Fofana, N'Golo Kante, Ibrahim Okonate, Jules yeah. Koundé, all born in Paris. Anthony Marshall as well, Stephen and I hadn't he gotten to the while. M's yet, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> well, get there. <laughs> Wait, who else? Sorry, sorry, I interrupted you. Martial. I know that's all I've got. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Listener, feel free to complete that list in your own time. But for now, Graham Rothman, thank you very much for your insight today. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. Joe Lowry, a pleasure as always hearing from you, sir. Bonjour. Okay. (laughs) Taylor Rockwell, thank you very much. I'm not sure Joe knows what that means. I love Joe. I love Joe. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, listener. We'll be back with you very shortly. But for now, au revoir. It's like aloha, right? Isn't that? Yeah, sure. Like ciao and aloha. (laughs) 